I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast hosted by two great people, legends <laughs> in the podcast industry uh, and abroad, uh, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And me, Andrew Levins. Every single week we read all of uh, the prior week's comics and let you know which of the ones were good and bad and um, the ones that we really think you should uh, go out of your way to be reading too. Um, we are currently on Christmas hours. Mm. Um, which means we are one week behind. Uh, so we're recording this, even though we've got the weeks for this week's... This is going to get confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, th- we're, we're reading the book, the, the comics, the reviewing the comics that came out the week just before Christmas. Yes. Um, and uh, January is going to be a little bit of a mess, and it's going to result in one bizarre mega episode where we have to record two weeks at once. So look forward to that, Siobhan. <laughs> I think that's going to be fun. I think that's going to be fun <laughs> for everyone. Um, I hope you had an incredible holiday season. Uh, yourself too, Siobhan. Oh, thank you. I was like, me or the listeners? But both. Yeah, I hope both. everyone had a nice both. time. Uh, no, only one. Either the <laughs> listeners or you can have a good holiday season. Who will it be? I'm very selfless, so I choose the listeners. Because that's what oh, Jesus would have done. Um, you are someone that likes to give like geeky comic book presents to your loved ones. Yeah. Or your loved one. <laughs> 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 um, do you get them in return? No, I think I think it. I think my family choose to ignore it, the fact that I like comic books because Still. it's a bit it's a bit like hard for them to figure out what I want. Like I got one of the um, family member. I got you know the DK like encyclopedias. Yeah, I got like a DK encyclopedia of the DC universe, which is cool. That's useful. Yeah. It charts year by year when everything came out. That was about the geekiest And, it, and it's really ever. heavy. If you ever need to weigh down a bent comic, you can just put that on top of it. Exactly. It's perfect. The perfect oh, gift. Very, very useful. Yeah, my, my family uh, just get me completely practical dad, dad presents now. Nice. Just barbecue uh, tongs. Yeah, and I even, I even like, this is, like, such a stupid story. But, you know, when, when you have kids, you, you don't really, like, Christmas isn't for you anymore. No. So, um, uh, I, I bought myself my present. Nice. From my wife this year. Great. And I bought the wrong thing. So I bought myself a new one. I needed a new wallet. Um, and so I bought a wallet and then on Christmas night I put, put all my cards in it. I was like, this is way too heavy. You know, like, <laughs> when you can see, like, a guy's wallet, like, throbbing, like, yeah, like yeah, Batman's yeah. dick through his, through his costume. 
um, I didn't on. want that going on. So I, I went and I took it back today. I took my own Christmas uh. present back that I bought myself back and I couldn't even blame it on somebody. Um, and then I found the wallet that I did like and then I saw the packaging and I was like, oh, wait, I've got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I just now have a credit voucher for the store because I already had a wallet in my drawer that I forgot about. That's the best present of all. Merry Christmas to me. You know what was a good geeky present that I got is... Um, my my partner Nate made me a um, Lego model of the Teen Titans Tower. Holy shit! <laughs> Can you put pictures of that somewhere? Um, I'll I'll show you at some other point. Um, oh, but yeah, it's pretty great. Is it is it good? I'll- it's really good. He once okay a couple of years ago for my birthday he tried to cross stitch like needlepoint a little Teen Titans Tower for me, but it was way harder than he expected, so it's half finished. Um, and then, so this year he made a Teen Titans tower, which is surrounded by other things from our life and relationship. Oh, so <laughs> it's great. really cute. That's the best present ever. It's so good. I love it so much. It's the best. Um, I, uh, I now have a new family and that is, uh, podcast listeners that I've bonded with because of the podcast. Yeah. Our real family. I got Christmas presents from someone. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, so I have to give a shout out to, uh, uh, the work team. Uh, Connor, who sent me... The wokest uh, teen of all. Yeah, on a day, day or two after Christmas, I received an email from them, um, which was uh, a, a, a series that we've spoken about heaps of times that we've never um, you know, read properly, and that's Jeff Lemire's Bloodshot Run. Oh, cool. Which I really, really, really thought of a digital download for, for that entire series, which is a very, huh. very thoughtful gift. That's very Shows kind that Connor, of Connor really listens. He is so a, you, he's a great les- listener, a great contributor. Just a the great team. Uh, and also uh, Jack, who is one of um, uh, the Hey Fam listeners, uh, got got a cartoonist from Adelaide to draw me. I saw that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so good. So I'm, I'm I'm saying it here. Don't tell them if you ever see my family in person. But Chris, I'm not celebrating Christmas with them next year. <laughs> I'm celebrating Christmas, celebrating Christmas with the listeners who know me better than my own family now. Although it would be pretty funny if I had to buy wallets for myself on behalf of every listener of this podcast next Christmas. <laughs> and I have so to take many wallets back. now. <laughs> oh, wait, I have all of these at home already. <laughs> uh, Siobhan, that was an incredible rant. A great good. intro. But the bulk of Excellent. this show is about comic books. And uh, we did, we're not given a break at the, uh, at the end of last year. Well, Ugh, sorry, it still, is, no. it still is last year, technically. Um, but... Yeah, at the end of 2017, the, the publishers did not give us a break for Christmas. Uh, even though our lives got infinitely busier, we still had to read uh, almost 50 comic books. And uh, I somehow managed to read all the ones I, I intended to read. Um, so I, missed, review. I missed a couple. Fuck it, who cares? It's Christmas. Who cares, guys? Um, so uh, we begin every show by reviewing all of last year's number ones. And uh, I just want to like just say, like, holy moly, they're back. They had some time off. But the kings of number ones, comic book number ones, are back. Oh yeah! With their first uh, number one double up in, I'm going to say over a month. This is this is insane. I never thought they would be, they would they would take the crown once again for uh, kicking off this uh, this this edition of First Things First. Uh, is the two number ones from the one and only Marvel Comics. The one and um, only. After uh, after doing going going to legacy renumbering, we didn't get a number one from them for a while, and now we've got two. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler of what I thought of these uh, in, in advance of our review. I really love both of these books. That's great news. Um, they are X-Men Grand Design, written and drawn by Ed Piscor, and um, 
Marvel 2-in-1 number one as well by uh, Chip Zdarsky and Jim Chung. Um, so uh, let's talk about X-Men Grand Design first because this was uh, an incredible highlight to my comic book reading week. I only read half of it. Holy fuck. I was trying to read it just before we started recording, but I didn't get through it. It's a lot of content. It is. It's, 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 it's an enormous uh, read. I, I read it over three nights, like the three busiest yeah. nights of the year, like I think Christmas Eve, Christmas night, and Boxing Day night. I read it and, and fell asleep, you know, after reading four, only four pages or whatever. Eventually, I got through it all. Um, but X-Men Grand Design is like a retelling of uh, the X-Men's long, long history, um, written and drawn by Ed Pisco, who's best known for the uh, fanographic series Hip Hop Family Tree, in which he tells like the actual real life history of many rappers and people in the uh, New York hip hop scene in the uh, 80s. Maybe he's up to the 90s by now. I don't know. I checked out a little while ago from that series. Um, but uh, X-Men Grand Design, yeah, is basically like he has this incredible kind of throwback um, throwback gold and silver age kind of style that suits a retelling of the uh, of the classic X-Men silver age strips. Um, and uh, he, he even like, you know, colors the pages so they look like an old silver, silver age book. Um, there's an extensive use of, uh, of, of is it Bende, Bende dots yeah. in his artwork. And it looks like it looks like it's been printed on newspaper stock. That's right. It's the vibe. Um, but, but because in doing that, like you know, a lot of people will talk about the, his writing in this, which I think is really, really great, effortlessly kind of updating while still being true to what a Silver Age comic will, sound, like, will, will read like. Um, but... Uh, you know, and, and his art is really, really solid the whole way through. But I just want to give a very big shout out to the colors on this book because every single book has been like stained yellow, so it looks like newspaper. Mm. But then that allows for some incredible contrast in the art where he leaves some parts of the book, like you know, an explosion or something radiating, um, as an unstained piece of paper. Yeah, so it's like really you get these pops. incredible, yeah, really popping kind of bright whites in some of the panels. Um, that really made this like just a very unique book. It's um, a it's a it's a bizarre read because it's like firmly based in X Men continuity. Like if you're one of the people who's like, I just want to know what the hell is going on with the X Men from the beginning, which people come into Kings all the time. Like I just want to start X Men from the beginning, and we're like, mm, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you just want like a chronological, here's here's the X Men, then this is for you, I suppose. I don't think like. I, I definitely enjoy his um, style. I don't think it's necessarily especially golden agey. Like it's it's very contemporary, age, I mean. but yeah. Um, then sort of put into this silver age context, I suppose. I mean, the whole thing being narrated like in great detail by the Watcher—that's mm. a very silver age trope. Yeah, that's um, true. And like you know, and and the, how dense it is too with information. I, I do like that. Like yeah, like it is a lot of the beats that we've um, that we've read many times and even seen in the X-Men movies before but he is taking great liberties to kind of have the various X-Men characters meet in new and different ways that we haven't seen in comics before and have it also like uh, all these sort of stories which have never really been connected and have been really disparate he's kind of linking them all with one overarching narrative which is pretty clever considering how much X-Men history there is yeah absolutely Um, I, I, I really really enjoyed this this was a an incredible just it's one of those comics that I can't believe exists because it feels like this goes up against you know every every minute someone on the internet is writing a think piece about everything that Marvel's doing wrong 
and they describe you know the synergy that Marvel's having with their movies and how that's negatively affecting the comics and um, this just feels like this like real treasure that I can't believe is being put out by the same Marvel that makes many mistakes throughout the year. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, yeah, the fact that it's like it's only five ninety nine. It's this enormous like you know this will take you. I, I'm pretty sure this, this took this one issue took me an hour to read. Yeah, it's um, incredibly dense, guys. It is and, worth uh, the price of admission. And there's another one coming out in like it's it's a fortnightly book. And it's only two issues, am I correct? Oh, is it two issues? That's I thought it was just a two-issue little mini-series. Um, in any case, it's a real treat, and um, it's a beautiful one-issue. Um, if you're one of those people that, like, you know, buys mostly digital or mostly trade and every now and then likes to splurge on a, on a single issue, um, I would definitely recommend this one as, a, as one just to pour over. The art's wonderful. And, and there aren't even it, that it, many it, ads it's in really it. It's unique. Yeah, the, and the, the only ads are for other Marvel comics. Yeah. Which is great. They're the kind Very of ads good. I like. That and weird cereals. I love a good cereal. Absolutely. I miss Fruity Pebbles. I never <laughs> understood what that was. Have you ever had child. them? No. They're like, what they're if cornflakes were made of Fruit Loop? Oh. Yeah. They're pretty good. good. Yeah, they are good. Shouts mm. to Fruity Pebbles. If uh, <laughs> any of American listeners want to make us happy, send us a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we also got another number one from Marvel this week, and that was uh, the return of... Um, the Marvel 2-in-1 imprint, um, and this time 2-in-1 refers to The Thing and The Human Torch, the only two members of the Fantastic Four who are still in current continuity because uh, the Richards family are uh, MIA somewhere after um, Secret Wars. Yeah, who knows? Um, who knows where yeah. they're all gone? But it's weird that the assumption is that they're dead from everyone. Yeah, I feel like they take... Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't remember that. Because we know for a fact they're not, but yeah. I guess I guess everyone else doesn't in the in the Marvel universe because they don't read their, their own comics. The idiots. <laughs> what a bunch um, this of is written, This is written by Chip Zdarsky, um, best known for his uh, artwork on um, on Sex Criminals and his uh, runs on Howard the Duck and um, the what the fuck is the Spider Man book he writes called? Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider Man, I believe. Um, and uh, he's done some great stuff. He's done some stuff that I haven't been as big a fan of. Um, and knowing that you know we are getting a Fantastic Four book back, I've been wondering who they're going to get at Marvel to, to write that. Um, you know, one of the things that most relieving things for me about Bendis moving to DC was that he, he won't be the one to write Fantastic Four because mm. I, I don't want to know what that would be like. Well, um, I mean, he's, he's probably going to be writing Superman, right? Is that correct? That's yeah, it seems to be the way. Um, and also, he's home after his health scare, which is very good. Thank goodness. There are definitely some characters that I love. Love the idea of Bendis writing, but Fantastic Four aren't aren't those characters. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I've been like wondering who who Marvel are going to put on it. And uh, you know, having read almost everything Zdarsky's done, um, I wouldn't have picked him for the job. But if this is his like you know uh, his test in order to to pass this exam to to then go on to write Fantastic Four, oh, this is an awesome job. This is a really really great comic about the thing kind of being convinced to look after Johnny Storm. Um, and uh, he, uh, Victor Von Doom shows up and gives him something that Reed left to him should he and his family ever disappear from the earth. Um, this book was uh, drawn by Jim Chung with inks by John Dell and Walden Wong. Walden Wong with uh, colors by Frank Martin. It looks fantastic. I love I Jim really, Chung. Of course. He's, he's, he's maybe like the secret best artist that Marvel have in this table. Yeah, I don't understand why they don't use him I think because he takes ages. That's why. <laughs> um, yeah, this um, was a this was a really 
I really enjoyed this. I did. I sometimes think that Chip Zdarsky misses the mark slightly when he's being sort of um, sincere and sentimental. I think that sometimes it comes across a little bit cliche and cloying, but I, I did like this. And I like the way he writes. Um, I think Ben Grimm is one of those characters that you can really miss the mark with, getting the voice right, and I think he nails it. Yep, me too. I, I totally agree with you with the sincerity thing. Like Even the Star-Lord run that he did that I yeah. quite liked overall... There were schmaltzy moments of that, but I think this is like the best balance of like good chuckles mm-hmm. and then like a, quite a warm, warm character-based story. Uh, one criticism is that Johnny Storm is losing his powers for some reason, and I just feel like we've gotten a lot of that in the last year, and I don't need it, him to be happening that too. So hopefully that's just sort of quickly that's resolved. Yeah. Um, but if if this leads to um, to Fantastic Four being reunited and then Zadarsky, you know, off the back of this one issue. I'd, I would totally read his his take on Fantastic Four. Yeah, totally. I just got really distracted by the um, in the the little backup that tells you like the history of the Fantastic Four and how gigantic Sue Storm's boobs are. <laughs> Who drew well, that? Is it? Yeah. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I think it's um, it's yes, Greg, Greg Land. Land. <laughs> that's Which porn why. star do you think he copied that from? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, so over to Valiant now for a number one um, that was written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by the great Kano um, and uh, doing some of the most uh, like awesome, innovative um, panel layouts I've ever seen Kano do, actually. Uh, this is the uh, return of Quantum and Woody, which is kind of like a somewhat of a cult, kind of beloved uh, Valiant franchise that at one point uh, you know, in the 90s, I think, was written by Christopher Priest. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Quantum, and Woody, Quantum and Woody are about two two brothers uh, through adoption uh, who have some weird mysterious power that requires them to like basically give each other a fist bump every day mm-hmm. or they'll turn back into energy I'm sorry if I got that right, wrong this is the first ever Quantum and Woody book I've ever read and they, they were quite to, vague they have to on, clang their bracelets together yeah they were quite vague on, on how they got their powers what their powers are but that was fine because this is a very funny um, character based uh, superhero book it's more about the relationship of these two brothers that have kind of grown to hate each other because they are, you know, at each other's necks all the time through mm. superhero they're heroics. Just, they're just different. One of them's a square and the other one's real uptight. Classic. One of them's a square and one of them's uptight. No, wait, the they other way around. They pretty similar to me. Yeah, sorry. One of them is an uptight square and the other is a really loose rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is called A Really Loose Rectangle. <laughs> Every now and then one just jumps out and you you just got to write it down. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed this. I have to say I've enjoyed other Quantum and Woody runs more. This one didn't have like the same level of gags for me as the most recent one from Valiant. I can't think of who wrote that though, so I might just look that up. That was, yeah, like uh, one of the, it was like the fourth book or whatever that came out once Valiant came back, you know, six or so years ago. Yeah. so that, is that, is that in, in, in a similar kind of frame of like Archer and Armstrong as being like a straight up comedy book? Yeah, it was absolutely just a comedy book. This one definitely has some drama to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, having had no experience with, this char- with these characters, just kind of seeing them show up every now and then in all the Valiant books I've read, I really enjoyed this, uh, this, the, the beginnings of this story. There's a mystery involving uh, both their parents, um, both their fathers, sorry. Oh, they were um, created by Christopher Priest. Continue. Oh, they were created. Oh, that's wild. Mm. Crazy. Um, and uh, God, Christopher Priest is great. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about good. him later in this episode. 
Um, but uh, I just, I, I think for me, this is just like just Kano doing, you know, the, the, after loving the artwork on Secret Weapons so much, this actually reminded me a lot of of that, just the similar kind of absolutely weirdly structured, um, but very fun and frantic kind of panel layout and structure. Um, and uh, I've ne- I don't really associate Kano with being a guy that does that. So I don't know um, what else has he done. I just he's a, he, yeah I mean look he's an, he's one of those those names that I recognise as I've definitely read seen his name on lots of comic yeah, books but yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember any art whereas I'll remember this forever as something he did. Well, um, the the run that I really liked was written by James Asmus. I really highly recommend checking that one out. It made me laugh a lot. Okay, cool. I will do um, once I read all of the uh, bloodshot all of bloodshot uh, that Connor Connor gave me. <laughs> Um, so a while ago we talked about a new imprint uh, that was started by an ex-Vertigo um, editor called Shelley Bond. Uh, over at IDW, the imprint is called Black Crown. Um, and uh, we got a, uh, a, a a series out of it, first and foremost, uh, that was written by Peter Milligan um, called, what was it called again? Kid Lobotomy. Kid Lobotomy, that I did not like at all. Um, but and, and it was kind of like a, it was a very, you know, I think they would be very aware of how polarizing a book like that would be. So it was a strange choice for their first number one. It definitely, yeah. I guess as like a, as a mission statement, like, you know, this is going to be a left of center comic book. It made it, it did its job. Um, but they also put out a quarterly book that um, kind of revealed all the other titles. And uh, the title that I was the most excited about was one written by Teeny Howard with art by Gabriel Hernandez. Um, Gilbert. And Gilbert, sorry, Gilbert Hernandez. There is a Gabriel Hernandez too, right? Um, but this book is uh, called Assassinistas. Um, and uh, Gilbert Hernandez, um, being uh, one of the brothers responsible for Love and Rockets, which is one of my favorite series, um, in all of his kind of outside of Love and Rockets stuff, he's done lots of very pulpy, girls with guns, fighting zombies kind of miniseries. And I assumed that this is just going to be one of those. Um, and, uh, you know, those are fun to read. Mm. There's, there's not much substance to them compared to his other stuff in Love and Rockets. Um, and from the first three pages, that's exactly what I thought we were going to get, as we see a bunch of three girls who call themselves um, the Assassinistas, um, uh, who, like, yeah, a trio of girls who are, are assassins, um, mm-hmm. kick, kick and butt assassins. Um, and uh, after the title page, we suddenly jump forward in time. We, we learn that one of them is pregnant. She already has a kid. Um, Another one has a kid and is kind of like struggling to pay the bills and now is working in kidnapping insurance. And the third assassinista is, uh, uh, you know, no one knows where she is. And uh, we kind of get this very different book that's about these women who used to be assassins who are now trying to live normal lives and pay the bills and and keep their kids safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really enjoyed this book. It was incredible. I loved this. This was so fun. This is exactly very, very for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, there's, there's a lot going on in this book. It's a, it's a very, it's a very character focused book. Um, particularly, um, the kind of the main assassinista is, uh, yeah, a mother who has a teenage son, sorry, a, a college age son, whatever that age that may be, um, who she, you know, is constantly struggling to pay the bills for, even though she insists that he goes to college and, um, he has a boyfriend that he hasn't told her about, um, and, there is like there is going to be some action in the future, but if, even if there wasn't, even if it was just like discussions <laughs> between was all these just characters, family dramas, and yeah, no assassinations really, really take good. place. <laughs> I love Gilbert Hernandez's art; it's and, so gorgeous, um, and the colors by Rob Davis really, really exactly. make it pop. But so you, you, you know, it's, it's rare to actually see beyond a cover um, any either of the Hernandez brothers' art um, colored. So mm. this is this is just this is a real treat. It really and, is. Um, 
And I'm excited yeah. to see this, like, mother-son and boyfriend assassination team that seems yes, to be happening. Finally. That's <laughs> super fun. That's a really good fun thing. I'm into it. Really, Teeny really Howard I, yes. I really like, I think. Yeah, like me too. Um, yeah, this is a big highlight of the week for me. Um, we also got uh, another IDW book, um, The Return, the volume two of a series that I'm pretty sure you didn't read. That is the, uh, the comic book history of comics. No, I didn't read it. Uh, so this is um, written by Fred Van Lante with um, art by Ryan Dunlavey. It was originally released as like a graphic novel with black and white cartooning. Uh, basically, it is a, a history of, about comics all over the world. And um, the best thing about it is Van Lente is able to kind of uh, flick between uh, not only kind of like genres of comics, but also like around the world and what was happening throughout the world uh, in terms of comic books. And this issue is mostly about Europe and, cool. um, and kind of w- who was responsible for the term graphic novel. Was it Eisner or was it actually um, Switzerland's R- Rodolf Topfer? In the 1800s, <laughs> which is a, a character that I, I uh, sorry, a, a, a real life character uh, that I've never heard of in my life. But we then uh, kind of learned the history of Hergé, who, uh, cool. who created Tintin and how at one point he was uh, jailed as a Nazi sympathizer um, and who cleared his name. Um, and then uh, then we, it kind of talks about he- the influence of heavy metal, the, um, the French released uh, anthology of, of comics and, and how... Um, that was so after Star Wars that the sales of that skyrocketed in America um, and uh, kind of all the different copycats off the back of that Um, it's a really really fun book I feel like I would be happy just reading the text I don't think the cartooning uh, is particularly of much merit it's very Mm. very like uh, you know Sunday morning paper strip kind of uh, cartooning which you know it is it's good in its own right, but it's not the kind of uh, cartooning that I seek out. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the information that you're getting and the way that Van Lente has, like, really effortlessly kind of uh, moved from, you know, like, you just see all these different creators show up throughout time throughout, in different parts of the world. Um, and it's really, really great. He kind of explores different themes throughout times in comics. Uh, I can't recommend this as a, as a, as a resource enough. Mm. Highly recommend it. The comic book history of comics. And this is the, uh, the first issue of Volume 2. Um, over to Dark Horse now. And we got a new miniseries uh, from... Uh, the first of a new, new miniseries from um, the Empowered Universe, which is written by Adam Warren, uh, with a new cartoonist every now and then. He, once a year, he does one of these miniseries with a new um, art artist that he hasn't really worked with in the past. Um, and this time, he is working with someone called Carla Speed McNeil, who is best known for the comic book Finder, mm-hmm. which is like a sci- science fiction comic book writer and draw- an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this book is called Empowered and Sister Spooky's High School Hell. Did you read this? I sure did. I loved it. Si- yeah, it was super great. So I Sister love Spooky. Carl Speed McNeil. I think she's incredible. Have you read anything of hers besides Finder? Uh, no, that's it. But I love her work. Hmm. It's very different to what Adam Warren normally does, but she does a great interpretation of his character designs. And this uh, is this fun kind of adventure in which Sister Spooky, who at one point was Empowered's kind of biggest rival, um, Sister Spooky was gifted her powers by, like, the devil. She -hmm. was, like, an ugly schoolgirl who uh, was gifted the powers of being hot, and then he also gave her superpowers just to fuck with everyone, all the other girls at her school that, um, that were white girls that just got... Um, like hot powers too or well, not yeah. hot powers it's, they, just, they just became hot exactly which is and a so power this, yeah 
this sees um, Empowered and Sister Spooky um, basically like teleported to like a, a hell-based version of the, of Sister Spooky's high school, uh, in which she has to confront and not get killed by all of her sis- all of her um, co-students who uh, are out to kill her because she got superpowers and they didn't. It's pretty good. Like, I mean, I think that my personal hell would also be going back to high school. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I I think that they played on the kind of horrors of being an awkward dork in high school really well. And I like how um, Empowered and Sister Spooky's relationship has changed and how it's not now they're just friends, like it's sort of more complicated. Um, and how much Empowered has like developed as a character. That was my so favorite good. thing of this. I actually enjoyed this one issue of Empowered more than that actual proper uh, Empowered volume we got last year or this year, whenever it was. Um, I think you got way more character development in this issue than uh, than, than an entire book did last earlier in the year. And it looks um, yeah. beautiful. It looks incredible. Um, and uh, the color, yeah, color did the, the color, did the uh, colors too. Very, yeah. very good. Gorgeous. Great, great issue. Real good. Um, we also got from Dark Horse um, a uh, a late Christmas special, which I actually read now, which is not so after Christmas. But and, what a uh, special! A, holy fucking hell, it was good. I think uh, the biggest is... thrill for me was opening the front page and seeing interiors by Adam Hughes. Where, like, that's yeah. so rare. Um, so this is a Hellboy Krampusnacht, which is, I guess, Nailed the it. night of the Krampus. Yeah. Um, and Krampus is the weird European Christmas ghost. <laughs> Christmas demon who, Just like, taunts children. Um, the original Claw series. That's got Krampus yeah. in it. Uh, and so yeah, it was written by Mike Mignola, um, which is really cool, and um, and no co-writer or anything. It's just written by Adam, Mike Mignola with art by Adam Hughes, who uh, yeah, as Siobhan said, is you know rare to actually see on a, on a book these days. He did that not Betty very good Veronica. Betty and Veronica series that he wrote and drew. Oh no, you, you grew to quite quite warm to that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, the last issue really like as a whole product, I think it ended up quite good. Um, but you know he's quite known for his cupcake, you know, kind of swimsuit cheesecake. Uh, but yes, cheesecake. Sorry, cupcake. Whatever. Fuck. So, still, it's just cake. Um, uh, I loved but his interpretation on, of Hellboy. That's exactly it. Like, I, 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 he's not someone I would ever expect to take on Hellboy, and uh, he he does a great job of honouring uh, Mike Mignola's you know use of shadow and mm-hmm. you know even the, the original designs of the, of the character, but with his own great spin on it that's just unmistakably used. Um, yeah. And this is a really, really great story too about like uh, a goat who believes he's Krampus uh, mm. that, that summons Hellboy to put him out of his misery. Um, and then we get this like cute little backup of like of just uh, Hughes drawing a couple of snapshots from various Christmas memories that mm. Hellboy had throughout his life with the uh, the RPD and stuff. The baby Hellboy awesome. one is so cute. Yeah, so good. What, what does he get for a gift? Hey, uh, a lobster, lobster Johnson decoder ring. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so good. Uh, and then you even get like a few pages of sketches. This is a very good value little um, uh, issue as well. A great one shot. Um, only three ninety nine. One hundred percent worth your money. Absolutely agreed. Um, I love this. Really, this, is, great. this is like of all the Christmas specials that we read. This is like the only one I would say is essential reading for someone that just wants to read a good comic. Agreed. Um, so uh, over to Arkea now, and we got the latest uh, volume of Jim Henson's The Storyteller, My which is written and drawn by Matt Smith. This edition is called Fairies, and it is four uh, issues uh, that all about. They're basically four one shots in which uh, Jim Henson's character, the storyteller, uh, tells stories to his dog. And uh, in this issue, he tells him a story 
uh, of a, a shepherd who goes to work um, on, a, on a new property um, that's been cursed. And once a year, um, the shepherd goes missing and, and dies. Um, and in spite of this, the shepherd still takes the work and then learns the truth of what's happening to all the shepherds. Oh. It was a really, really dark issue. That's really it was, dark. It was brilliant. It was so good. Oh, Matt man. Smith is such a good cartoonist. and um, The storyteller you know, comics are always excellent. I, I've never liked them before this one. Really? I've, I've, you know, I've tried my hand at reading the first issue of like the last two series they've put out since mm. we started recording the show, and I didn't, they didn't really connect with me at all. But I really loved this issue a lot because I guess maybe it was so dark and then it would cut back to the storyteller talking to his dog about something inane that mm. you know, he picked up from the, within the story. Um, yeah, so this, this, this story was called The Fairy Queen and the Shepherd. And uh, definitely comes with my recommendation, especially if you would like me, have given the series a shot and it hasn't connected with you in the past. Uh, I love this. Oh, cool. Um, Aftershock this week put out a new book by Justin Jordan uh, with art by Eleonora Collini called Backways. Did you read this? No, this was on my, this was the top of the things I missed. I don't think you need to read it. Basically, a, um, uh, a girl is sucked into a mirror dimension. Um, oh, no. She's like a goth girl and then her, it's about, uh, her, fr- her, her girlfriend um, against her, the, um, the missing girl's mother's wishes uh, is basically trying to track down her, her, her girlfriend. And uh, I think she's a girlfriend, maybe just a close friend that her parent doesn't approve of. Um, and eventually she gets to this weird nightmarish mirror dimension. Um, look, the art was pretty good. Um, and I think the story, it's just a lot more tropey than, I, um, than I'm used to for Justin, Justin Jordan's uh, work. Um, but hey, Aftershock always kind of put out like the, the the fourth best comic from your fourth favorite creator. <laughs> <laughs> that should be on their website. Yeah. Um, I tried reading a book called The Eternal Thirst of Dracula. Oh, God. Yeah. That sounds exactly. sexy. I read a few pages and I was like, I don't need to read this. Nice. Good call. <laughs> what, I, what I do need to do, Siobhan, is let everybody know uh, that if they want to discuss any of the number one issues that they read or we read and, we, and you, you reckon we got opinions wrong or <laughs> opinions right uh mostly wrong though come and uh, hit us up at our facebook group which is facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast in which you can join a few thousand comic book readers um who talk about comics all the time even when we don't yeah um there's and it's a great place to uh it's a great fountain of knowledge in terms of comic books and yeah. creators and runs and you know recommendations it's a very lovely and positive place it sure is and if you're a lady we have a um or identifies female or non-binary there is a queens of kings group so if you want to talk to um if you just want to shut all of the dude bros up i'm joking if you um, listen to half of this podcast <laughs> and think that's the half for me <laughs> <laughs> they come we, on we try, the we try very very page. hard yeah we try very very hard to keep um the serious issues page, you know, it's it, 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 it's it's a it's, it's legends a very, only. Very, uh, yeah, but you know, I, I I I'm very aware of how men very often will talk over women in terms of geek culture and that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, in spite of my best efforts, sometimes it still goes on in our very group. And um, the Queen's so, page is incredible for just really like friendly, open, intelligent discussion. It's been real good fun running that extremely one. Extremely jealous that I can't be a part of it, but hey, Sucked you can't in. have anything. It's true. Can't even, I can't even have a wallet. You can't even get a wallet. Let's play a game called Roll the Dice, Siobhan. Uh, every episode we roll the dice to talk about, so to find out who we're going to talk about next. Uh, if I roll a 1 to 2, it's Image. If I roll a 3 to 4, it's Marvel. If I roll a 5 to 6, it's DC. Rolling this dice right now. Nice. And put a bit of spin on it. Two spin. Too much spin. It's just tedious. Six. We're going to talk about DC first. And then another spinner. When will I learn? 
one. So we're going to do DC, then Image, then Marvel. Cool. Uh, starting off with DC, I want to talk about a book that I really loved because I did not like a few D- DC books this week and I do not want to come across like a sourpuss. Oh, uh, so sourpuss lemons. Let's talk about Justice League issue 35, um, written by the aforementioned Christopher Priest, with uh, art on this issue by um, Pete Woods. Um, and, uh, you know, he does all, he does, he does the inks, he does the colors. Cool. It's pretty cool. That's rare for a, uh, for a, like a DC published superhero book. Um, and this is the second issue of, uh, Christopher Priest's Justice League run. Um, as anyone who's listened to the podcast in the past will have known, uh, Justice League was, uh, not the best at all, um, in, since Rebirth happened. It was a, a, a very kind of weird misstep from the very word go that kind of never really got very interesting. Um, and, uh, into just two issues, Christopher Priest has made this one of my favorite DC books. Totally. He is um, so good at balancing this team and giving everyone a good moment and having it be not just tedious, like, action stuff. There's plenty of yes. action, but uh, he's trying to actually tell a larger story. And he's using the um, uh, the Justice League kind of base. What's it called again? The Watchtower. Uh, the Watchtower, which I feel like... It's such an important part of what makes the Justice League different from the Avengers. They're not just a bunch of, you know, heroes Who running live. out of a house. Yeah. They, they teleport there. It's <laughs> great. And then there's someone, like, watching over them at all times from, 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 the, from the Watchtower. They um, look down on us because they're better than us. But I love that, you know, he, it, it, I think it's a really important part of the Justice League is when to sideline certain characters, mm-hmm. to, put, put them, to bench them and have them kind of, you know, giving other members orders or... You know, some of them almost act as like reporters or whatever, like, or, mm. you know, journalists or whatever within this story, trying to find out more facts. Um, but uh, basically, this is all kind of like teetering towards, um, what's it called? Like the, the people versus Justice League or something. Um, and it kind of suggesting that Batman has made a big mistake that uh, has f- fucked up the Justice League. And but those not are some of the best Justice before. League series is like, when Batman fucks up. Yeah, totally. Tower of Babel, it's, a, it's a good theme. OMAC project. Um, I want to give this a special shout out because it is the first mention of one of my favorite DC characters, Martian Manhunter. I um, know. He wasn't actually in this issue, but a character who I'm not familiar with. Um, he is like a, 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 I think a he bounty might hunter be a from white space. Martian. That's my. Called Skip Tracer. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, but he comes to uh, to the Watchtower asking to speak to Martian Manhunter, and they're all. And Jessica Cruz is like, I don't know who that is. And then Batman says, We haven't heard from Martian Manhunter in a long time, which is great because I just thought he wasn't even a part of the universe at this point. Um, and it's also great because it means they haven't really. I was worried that they that they you know we're going to tie him into like some bullshit Knight's Metal, you know <laughs> what Doomsday Tower, Doomsday Clock, whatever. Um, big revelation thing but if they just work him really naturally into this series eventually that's great yeah absolutely um oh no wait this character's name isn't skip tracer he's you can be a skip tracer ah. there you go um anyway um there's a bunch of bugs that are attacking san francisco and um a, a ragtag bunch of justice league members and uh kid flash um team up to take down the bug with the help of this uh, bounty hunter. Yeah. Uh, and so meanwhile, fun. Meanwhile, uh, as we saw in the first issue, um, a terrorist has killed a nun with Wonder Woman's sword and um, the footage was recorded and everyone in the world has seen this footage. And it's going to damage the reputation of the League. Seems like a confusing one. 
Like, yeah, you can't really blame Wonder Woman for a, for a nun getting killed. I mean, she didn't stab the nun. I mean, you can blame the sword. Yeah. Behead the sword, I say. I agree. Kill Exile the sword. The sword. Lock, in, in, impeach the sword. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that this is, like, so fun and, like, so much is going on in this issue. Um, I think Priest is better at balancing the multiple plot lines in this than he is in even Deathstroke. Agreed. Um, and uh, it didn't take me long to kind of remember what happened in the last issue while I was reading this one, which I think is a, a very important part of, you know, writing a superhero book with coming out, you know, week to week yep. with multiple plot threads. Yeah, and really no good recap fun. page. Yeah, really, really good. So we also got a, uh, a new event that started this week. Um, which is uh, spanning across three titles. Uh, Superman, Super Sons, and Teen Titans get the Super Sons of Tomorrow event, which has been written by uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Unfortunately, Patrick Gleason is not doing art on any of these books, which is a real bummer. Uh, but this week we got part one and part two in Superman and Super Sons, respectively. Um, and uh, basically, this is them reusing the future version of Tim Drake, who's become Batman, as a threat. Why the fuck would you do that again? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think that this it, is part of them trying to bring back all these characters that everyone misses. So I think this is some way to try and reincorporate that the Jeff Johns era of Teen Titans into the current DCU. That's what it sort of... It feels like they're doing something to get to that point rather than trying to tell a real story. That's how I feel it is. Yeah. Like... I didn't think either of these issues were good, but I'm still going to read the entirety of this event just because it, you know, there is something fun about a big dumb crossover event that I totally. just find irresistible sometimes. But this and is that's also the, the kind of book that, <laughs> yes, exactly right. Uh, if 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 I was only buying Superman or Super Sons, this would turn me off both like the series altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but I, yeah, I think I'm like rereading this happily because we do the show. It's like they've been reading my dream journal at DC because in the end of the second issue, which was Super Sons, yep, Super Sons 11 is part two, and we see Connor, Cassie, and Bart, um, the future versions of those Teen Titans who were evil at some point. But it's just really weird, like, reusing this future Tim Drake again because it undoes his motive in detective comics because yeah. why wouldn't he come back and try to kill Batwoman again? Yeah. Because that was... Like, wh- why is this more important? Like, I don't... Like, he came back... It's like, you know, it feels like 10 minutes has passed since he was last back trying to kill someone to yeah, prevent totally. something from happening in the future. And that he wasn't successful then, so why has he come back to do exactly the same thing? Like, I feel like you could... It would be way better if just Connor came back. He was the one that came back. And not to kill... Like, you know, having someone come back to the future to kill somebody. You've, I've read so many comics the way that's happened. And you're like, it never fixes it, guys. Like, how amazing would it be if, like, you know, turns out Tim Drake returned to his time or whatever and saw Connor and was like, this is a world without you in it. And Connor's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go back, go to this world because I hate this one. Yeah. And then that's that's how this book starts with him, him you know, him being kind of find, found out and trying to go back to his friends and then being like who the fuck are you I don't know maybe that's not as good as I think it is but <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume comic book writing is difficult <laughs> it, it seems tough given but I, what a tough time two really seasoned creators seem to be having with this series 
I think it's, it's hard bizarre, trying to do it? it. These these crossovers where it just spans across a number of titles, I find a bit of a headache. I would rather but it was like, just its own standalone yeah. series. Make it a better villain than the guy that we just saw show up in Detective Comics for for an hour. Yeah, they I just know, beat him. It, it's really weird. It's real weird. Uh, so yeah, I will update you on that. I've already got uh, the comics for next week um, in, in my house, so I will be reading uh, that part three of this as soon as we finish recording. Hell yeah! I already I already scanned through the new issue of uh, of uh, Savage Dragon to see what disgusting uh, sex scene there was this this time. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll let you know next week. It's, it's, huh. it's slightly disgusting. Huh. <laughs> Batman thirty seven this week, um, by written by Tom King with Clay Mann and Geordie Belair on art. Um, is uh, the, the story of the double date between Batwa- Batman and Catwoman. Batman and has Super- some Greg Land-style bosoms on his yes. cover. Enormous bosoms. Uh, and <laughs> Clark Kent and Lois Lane, Supes and, and Lois. Um, and basically, after you know a lot of uh, coercion, um, the four of them show up to go to the Gotham County Fair um, after um, Clark had a great time with his family at the Hamilton County Fair. Only because Gotham is Gotham, it's superhero night when they get there, and you're not allowed in without a superhero costume. So uh, the entirety of this book is basically built around uh, the fun out of putting uh, Clark in the bat suit and um, Bruce in the Superman suit, and then um, Lois and Catwoman change swap clothes as well for some reason, and Catwoman just wears the Lois Lane dress and says "meow." Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was really bizarre and weird, but funny. Yeah. This issue was odd, I found. I don't know if it was, like, uh, the artist had trouble communicating what Tom King wanted to do, but I found it quite difficult to read in some parts. Like, when there's sort of two conversations going on at the same time. Like, we get one panel where it's... I don't understand that he was trying to show the similarities between the two conversations that are happening between Lois and... Catwoman and Batman and Superman, but I just didn't think it worked especially well for me. I um yeah I, I I didn't find it difficult to read like you know it definitely took a little bit more careful reading than I would usually uh, dedicate to a superhero book, but um, I I was very distracted by the fact that he repeated panels a lot. Mm-hmm. Like there's he there's the, he kind of reuses exactly the same panel of each of them eating ice cream, almost like a pop art artwork. Yeah. Over the course of some pages, which I, I, don't, I don't know if it was an artistic choice or he was just <laughs> pressed for time. Um, but I think, yeah, like this is definitely an odd issue. I think it's kind of meant to be an odd issue um, because it's a date between these superheroes and it's not really furthering the, their plot along at all, um, which is what Tom King kind of excels at, I guess. Um, but, I just uh, found, it, I found it real boring. Oh, really? Yeah. I You're feel sad Trarian. about it, but... The Tom It, it just, like... I, I just he makes them really boring characters they're just really normal and like the stupid little I don't think he can write women especially well maybe I'm just being overly critical but the conversation between Lois and Catwoman where they're like these boys they have so many problems yeah that's true but they also have so many abs right yeah. right yeah okay I, I, I will I will 100% give you that one <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't really like I didn't think Lois and Catwoman were very strong in this uh no. in this issue at all but I really did like the uh, dynamic between Superman and Batman yeah on their date in each other's costumes Playing I wish baseball. that they were just going on a date I wish that they would just cut all of the nonsense and Clark and Bruce cut these can women finally, out of their lives. finally do what we've all been waiting for for 75 years 
Make out. And, mm, mm. Fantastic. <laughs> um, Dark Knight's Metal continued this week. Um, issue number four, after a, a seemingly endless amount of dark Batman number ones, mm. uh, we finally got the fourth issue of this series. Um, written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, and FCO Placentia. Um, I just, I fucking hate this book. Who knows this, what's going on? This book is to just be called Dark Knight's A Journey Up Scott Snyder's Butt. <laughs> it's not as fun as I wanted it to be. Like that first, the first two issues were so, they were so bonkers yeah. and so enjoyable because you were just like, I don't know what's going on, but Dark Side's a baby and Plastic Man's an egg. Great. But now it's just sort of like this dreary trudge through Sandman and old Why the Batman fuck is he even there? Like, yeah, it's just, it's really weird. And there's so much going on. And, and like, on one hand, I find it admirable that he's clearly written a lot of this book so Greg Capullo could draw a bunch of fun shit that he likes because he's That's a great. big, big angry metal dude yeah. who likes drawing, like, people being real angry and metal. Um, but, uh,. I just this story is doing is it's just getting further and further away from something that I would choose to read. Yeah, and like I, I can tell, he's definitely trying to do something that that Grant Morrison has done in mm. the past. Like you know, I feel, I feel like you could, there are comparisons to Final Crisis, even that you could make from this event. And just, you know, you could definitely say that Grant Morrison very often travels up his own butt in his books too. It's exclusively but, where he lives. And it's I like his uh, being up his butt. This is the thing. I enjoy Grant Morrison's butt. I don't like Scott Snyder's butt as much. There's too much energy drinks in here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think he needs to look at his diet. Um, but yeah, like yeah, the most guess... extreme version of Hawkman and Hawkgirl ever. And I get like he's always trying to do this like weird animal totems. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sort of stuff. Which is something that I think Grant Morrison's also tried to do. I just don't know if Scott Snyder's nailing it. Yeah. Um, I, I love Snyder when he writes from his heart. When he does the sappy stuff, I fucking eat it up. I love it. Yeah. That's why I loved um, AD After Death with Jeff Lemire that he put out um, this year. Um, actually, I saw, we completely forgot to put that in Best Miniseries in our awards episode. But I, uh, I loved that. 
and that that's the kind of Snyder story that I want to read. Um, yeah. But this is just like I, this is just you know what? it's just extremely not for me. And I'm sure there are lots of people that this is extremely their shit, but it is not mine. Yeah, I'm disappointed because I thought it was extremely for me, and I think it, I've not been. It's not lit, lived up to the promise. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and like it's the ultimate um, kind of superhero comic book thing where like something happens and you turn the page and it's this big reveal of a character just showing up out of nowhere. Like at one yeah. point, just like Black Adam. It's just like, ugh, like that's not really ser- st- servicing the story at all. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. It just, just now it's he's just like, here, but more Mr. Yeah. Terrific, please. Which we're getting well, we, from yeah, yeah. Jeff Lemire, which is probably the best news. I'm very excited about that book. And none of those other books look good, though, to me. No, they all look terrible, don't they? They um, all look terrible. And it's just, it's so weird to see six books with not one female creator on them. That's a great point. That's a really good point. Like, I haven't I even noticed that. We've that. moved past that. Yeah. Nope, we haven't. We need John Romita Jr. drawing a book written by Dan Abnett about a single black mom. I think that's going to be really, really... Um, Incredible. I'm kind of excited about The Unexpected, which has art by Ryan Sook. Just yeah, me too. Ryan Sook. That's the Steve Orlando one, right? Yeah, that, 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 I mean, Sook's the best. I'm looking forward to that. And at least DC have done a funny little thing of like putting the artist above the writer. I feel like that's a bit reactionary against Marvel, but yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of these books just seem like Marvel books too. Yeah, true. Like The Terrifics is just Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, that The terrible looking one, what's it called? Uh damage that's just the hulk yeah damage looks the worst out of all of them it does Tanius, Daniel, like the Robert Venditti. anyway we'll see we'll get to read them all very soon mm. um, oh um, actually the uh the justin jordan i was just gonna say the justin jordan book with kenneth roquefort on art is oh, exciting okay. but then i saw that dan didio is another writer on it so that probably will not be good <laughs> <laughs> we'll see won't we um another slight disappointment but nowhere on the level of uh, dark knight's metal this week was the 31st issue of aquaman um, written by Dan Abnett with a new artist. What? I'm glad I accidentally missed this. Stepjan Sejic did not show up this week. Instead, we got um, someone. We got Ricardo Federici, who I think is a bit more suited to, like, you know, the Nexo Man War, one of the kind of more paintedly uh, valiant books that we've been getting recently. Maybe right. he's even done a book like that in the past. Um, Sunny Go on Colors. It's great, very competent art but it's just pales in comparison to the vibrancy that we got from Stepchan's art recently that completely turned me around on this book. Mm. Um, and also this issue itself is very much about the politics um, of, uh, of the, the monarchy uh, mm. under the water. And uh, it just was a, it was a, it was a real slog, this yeah. issue. Um, but so ho- hopefully we get Stepchan back on this book soon. It can be as good as it was just one month ago. Uh, Trinity issue number 16 I read uh, this as well written by uh, Josh Williams with um, art by sorry Rob Williams with art by uh, V. Ken Marion and inks by Sandu Floria with colours by Danae Rubiero Um, and this was the Trinity teaming up with Deadshot um, who it just feels so weird saying this at one point Deadshot was my favourite character like he was my that was my that was my guy when Secret (laughs) Six was coming out I, I, I collected all of um, the original Suicide Squad run. I collected the two Deadshot um, solo miniseries that came out. I got many issues that he... Like, pretty much every issue that he appeared in Batman of as well. You just love um, Floyd. I really did. I, he, I loved his costume so much and I loved his attitude. I loved like the explanation of why though he is the way he is. And that is not the iteration of Deadpool at all anymore. 
Mm. Um, in this one, his daughter's being kidnapped, which is so boring. Mm. Like, just because, like, and that was always, like, the cool thing. Like, even in Secret Six, like, that's a threat. Like, the bad guy's finding out about his real family. Do you remember that, that great yeah, arc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just, they just go, wait, you know, they jump the shark with it. And it's, and it's like Batman promising to Floyd that he'll find his daughter. Um, and they don't. <laughs> it was a <laughs> really weird Batman. issue. Um, but yeah, written by Rob Williams, who is doing the Suicide Squad arc at the moment that I've, that I've run at the moment that I've finally tapped out of. It's out of my life. I've purged it. Good job. But I, and I think Trinity needs to follow in its, in its, in its footsteps. Well, I will not be purging uh, Injustice 2. Um, it's still really, really fun. Written by our very own Tom Taylor. Um, with, uh, what's that, sorry? I said Australia's very own. Yep. Um, and uh, art by Mike Miller. Colors by Jay Nanjian. Um, you would love this. It's uh, Supergirl um, traveling to Themyscira um, to rescue a, a Wonder Woman who's been chained up with Great. Zeus's chains. Uh, and then meanwhile, the Flash is like in Australia walking down the longest stretch of straight road in the world 90 <laughs> miles great um but he he has like some dampener that he can't use his powers or else batman is alerted right it's cool i like it um, great. Uh, yeah, it's a good it's, it, it's a much more fun like if this was an event i mean it, re- it reads like an event basically yeah. because tom Taylor is free reign to do whatever the fuck he wants with the characters it's great great Finally, I read The Wildstorm, issue number 10. Did you read this one? I did. Uh, written by Warren Ellis with John Davis Hunt and Steve Bucalato on art. Uh, this is the uh, reimagining of the Wildstorm universe, uh, courtesy of Warren Ellis's bald head. Um, and uh, I really, I, I, I'm really digging this, even though it's this so is a much quieter, quieter issue than we've got um, recently. Um, we are learning more about the characters in this world. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a difficult one to recommend month to month because it can be hard to follow. But um, John Davis Hunt's art is is just stellar. And, so gorgeous. Um, it's you know it, the story is becoming ever so slightly easier to follow. And Warren Ellis is just having fun developing all these characters and making them as sort of flawed and horrible as he is. I love mm-hmm. it. Good fun. Yeah, every every he, basically the, the the premise for this series is what if every character in the wild in the Wildstorm universe was Warren Ellis? They love drugs. Everyone loves drugs <laughs> and swearing. Yay! <laughs> uh, so I believe we are going to be talking about image books now. Unless you have a DC book that I forgot about. No, that's it. Great. But I only um, read one image book. Oh my god! So you did not read. You're, hold, you're holding up the Hard Place issue yeah. number five, which is the finale. But did you know that another series that we loved also finished this week? Yes, I did, and I'm, I'm, it's in my pile. To we got the, uh, the, but I knew the, it was going to be got, amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, great, great excuse. Um, so we got the finale of Headlopper and their Crimson Tower, which is the second volume of Headlopper. Technically, this is issue eight, um, and uh, this basically saw our um, our our head headlopping loving Viking with a giant sword and a witch on his backpack head up a mysterious tower. Um, to take down like an, this evil king, um, and I won't spoil anything that happened in the story for Siobhan's sake and yours, dear listener. But um, but heads were locked, I assume. That's right. Oh my god, it was so great, and uh, a bunch of like really cool robot technology shit. Um, and the uh, crazy thing about this issue, though, is that there was a misprint, um, 
and so there are like two repeated pages. Oh. So the, the story is kind of like missing a beat. But if you go to Andrew McLean, who is the writer and artist of Headlopper, if you go to his Twitter uh, profile, you can find the missing page if you were one of the uh, lucky or unlucky few who, uh, who, who bought this issue. Um, great series. I don't think it was quite as good as the first four issues overall, but like it's still so motherfucking fun. Um, and I, just just from an art point of view alone, like it's so unique and fun and dynamic. Um, one of the best series that I that I read every time it comes out. Was there uh, something the hard fun place. about a quarterly book. Was that sorry? Was something fun about a quarterly book? You're saying that because you host a podcast in which you have to read too many comics. So when you know that there's only four <laughs> coming out a year, it's the best thing in the universe. It sure is. <laughs> Um, so we got the fifth issue of uh, The Hard Place, which is a miniseries written by um, Doug Wagner, who we previously reviewed and loved uh, his series Plastic. Um, and this also features art by Nick Rommel and colours by Charlie Kirchhoff. Uh, I want to start this review by saying that Doug Wagner is on the I Will Read Anything He Does list yeah. now. Yeah, um, And absolutely. so is the artist Nick Rommel, definitely someone that was going to watch uh, what he does next. Um, this, this is such this a is great kind of like series. Just a great little standalone crime book. Yeah, about a, a guy who gets out of jail. Um, he was a getaway driver and uh, promises to stay out of that world, but is uh, thrown back into it. And uh, in this issue, we see him kind of get out of it somewhat conveniently. But I think, you know, if you've watched enough action movies, sometimes you just get like a, a good ending and yep. uh, you know a happy ending for the characters you care about. And in this case, this is exactly what happened. Agreed. It was really satisfying, really beautifully illustrated. I enjoyed this so much. Hmm. I think I'm so used to image books not giving you the happy ending that it was yeah. quite refreshing to get a happy one. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for just everyone to die in a fire. <laughs> uh, so, Siobhan, we're one issue away from the what I assume will be happy ending for everyone in Invincible, which is Robert Kirkman's uh, long-running superhero comic that he does with Ryan Otley. Um, and uh, this week we got issue 143, the uh, second last episode of this... Sorry, second last issue of uh, the entire run and also of the arc, The End of All Things. Um, this sees a uh, kind of resolution uh, after the non-stop fighting of the previous issues. And um, basically, it's we're learning what Mark is going to do with this, you know, the alien race that he's a part of, the Viltrumites who are super powerful but have also had children um, on Earth. And, um, you know, is it safe having Viltrumites on Earth or do they need to go elsewhere is kind of like the, the final question this series is going to try and answer. Hmm. Um this is a much more satisfying issue than the uh, many ones before it. I actually feel like, you know, I, I wish they, they had all the fighting stuff just wrapped up in like one big extra sized issue a couple issues ago and then they just finalized the story like as thoughtful as this one has been. Mm. Um, yeah. But uh, it's good. You know, I'm going to be sad to see this issue go because it's kind of been a constant, always having Invincible to read month to month. Yeah, uh, it's but, so uh, long running. It's so, it's so strange that it's finishing. Yeah, totally. Um, but you know, I bet you he reboots it. Yeah. What do you reckon? Do you reckon he, he reboots it with him as a writer or someone new? Um, I would be shocked if Image didn't take advantage of it being on their books because it's so beloved. Hmm. It doesn't sell that well, does it? But it is, like the trades do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's consistent, you know? Um, so I am, I'm, I'm very surprised that you didn't read this, but I assume you did because you knew it would be brilliant, and that's a good excuse to not read things, I guess. Uh, Redlands, issue number five, written by Jordi Valère. This was like, I've yeah. just had the most mental week, guys, and so every, like, I was going through my pile like, oh, fuck, I didn't read that, I didn't read that, oh. 
Yeah, I got it, my piles. It is difficult page. when you're having a when you're having a hard week and you're like, I've got to prioritize what to read and when. Yeah. Um, but but Red I read Lands, a whole bunch um, of trash Marvel stuff, so that's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> always the case, isn't it? Uh, Redlands is uh, the uh, the book about witches, written by Jodie Blair with art by Vanessa Del Rey, um, and. Uh, Look, the, 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 the bulk of this story, which features the, the return of someone that all the witches owe a great debt to, um, was very satisfying and we kind of uh, you know, learn a lot more about the three main characters and who they were before they became witches um, and stuff like that. But the back matter in this issue, like we've, we've, we've kind of celebrated the back matter of these comics um, you know, since they started basically, but the back matter of this is a diary like a few it's like it's quite substantial like it's 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 a good solid read it's like seven pages of diary excerpts wow. from i guess the main character of redlands mm-hmm. from before she became turned to witchcraft and what this is like the world that led her towards this i think this was this is her story or it's a story of a character who is now inhibiting her body cool <laughs> um, in any case um the the back matter is just devastatingly sad as we see a girl forced into prostitution. Oh, God. Um, and her writing about it. And it's kind of, you know, it, it, every time she writes, it, it moves substantially forward in time. And just the way she talks to the reader changes so dramatically as she loses, you know, her will to love life. Great. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was really, really wonderful um, in, a, in, a, in a dark and sad way. That's a great book. Really, really compelling. It's so like, gorgeous wanna... as well. Like, it's so yeah. horrifying and beautiful. Yeah, 100%. And um, look, I know we have a very beloved segment entitled Dong Watch on, uh, on serious issues. <laughs> but um, what do we call the, the female version of that? Moot Watch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we now call it Moot Watch. Great. Uh, Vanessa Del Rey is uh, just, just incredible, beautiful, curvaceous, naked women. She um, sure does. Lying in a swamp. And it's like not sexual in any way, shape, or form, but it's sensual. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it, it's very very evocative art. It's great. Um, finally, from Image this week, I read uh, the third issue of the Family Trade by Justin Jordan with um, another great artist, Nikki Ryan. Um, oh no, sorry, written with Nikki Ryan with a great art by Morgan Beam. Um, and uh, this is like a quite quite got, got quite confusing now because there's no recap page and mm. there's a lot to kind of take in on this big world in which they live on an island and there's like a family who kind of controls everything but there's also a government and then there's just the rich people that want to be in places of power as well. Um, so there's a lot going on. I love the art enough to keep reading this for a few more issues but I have to say the story is not doing much for me. Yeah, it's a confusing one. Like the concept's really strong but I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't know if they're nailing the execution. Yeah. So there's our image reviews for the week. Um, and now it is time for us to review fucking 15 Marvel books. Woo! Fucking 15 Marvel books. My favorite Marvel book. What was your favorite? Fucking 15 of them. All oh, oh, right, cool. Um, um, so issue 100 of Tales of Suspense, which is a, uh, a new mini series, um, part one of five. Uh, Tales of Suspense featuring Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier, um, written by Matt Rosenberg with art by Travel Foreman. And colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, no relation, I assume. Um, but basically, this is uh, all about um, Hawkeye uh, suspecting that Black Widow, who uh, died in um, Secret Empire, um, suspecting that she's not actually dead. And uh, he goes on a mission to try and track her down after there are some like 
examples of like some hits taken out that have her calling card all over them. Um, and uh, who also would have has those same suspicions, but none of them Bucky Barnes the Winter Soldier. And this Both is the team of up her book. ex-boyfriends. Yep, this That's is them fun. teaming up, I guess, to find someone who may or may not be Black Widow. And uh, it's, it, it was a pretty good read. I enjoyed this. Um, I, I did not realize that it was travel foreman that whole yeah, time. Now you're the lo- way that it's been now you're flicking is... through going, oh, of course it is. Yeah. But, like, the color, I think the way that it's been colored is really different to how his work usually looks. But I like it. I thought it was really good. I think Rosenberg has a good voice for Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty good fun. I liked this. Yeah, he's a, diffi- he's a difficult character to write after Fraction's um, Hawkeye run, I Yeah, think. absolutely. Because you can't have that guy be a hero. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought this is a good start to what will hopefully be a pretty good miniseries. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um... Or, but everything that came out from Marvel this week was overshadowed by the frequently best uh, and, and voted best uh, Marvel book uh, by you, the listeners. Uh, the Mighty Thor had its 702nd issue um, this week, written by Jason Aaron with uh, Russell Dorderman and Matthew Wilson on art duties. And um, Russell this, uh, Dorderman, uh, I mean, we need to have a conversation about how he writes Hercules, uh, draws Hercules. It's sexually? too much. It's too much for. Uh, normal people to cope with. <laughs> it's too sexy. I'm putting a stop it's, to it. It's too much for tired mums. <laughs> I opened that page and I was like, well, I can't cope with this right now. Yeah, his entire body looks like a penis. <laughs> and I mean that as a That's compliment. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> Dong watch, Hercules in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, so we see like uh, uh, Jane Foster as Thor. Um, challenging Hercules to an arm wrestle in order to get him to uh, help fight alongside the Asgardians and uh, who should show up but none other than the unworthy Thor himself the Odinson and uh, together they they go well basically like the Odinson I, I love their dynamic now the Odinson is like I want my friend Jane to get, better. get treated for cancer and get yeah. better um, and uh, yeah I, I wonder if this because like every, everyone's like, this is all going to be... Because is, is, is this arc called The Death of the Mighty Thor? Yes, it is. It's not called The Death of Jane Foster. No. I wonder if this, her, this like, saga is going to end with her going back to her hospital bed? I think probably. That seems likely. Um, but, you know... Even, you know, the, I feel like however he chooses to wrap this up, whether they choose to, like, have Jane Foster... I always think it would be, like, more beautiful and more poignant if she did pass away because she mm. chose to, like, sacrifice herself to help so many others. But however they choose to wrap up this story for her, I think they've done such an incredible job of making her such a well-rounded human character, and I, I love it. Yeah, totally. Do you reckon they'll release a Funko Pop of um, cancer-ridden Jane Foster? <laughs> it's the one I'm missing from my collection. Okay, a question for the ages. Um, this also had big revelations for um, the uh, the Asgardians mm-hmm. uh, with the return of, a, of of Freya, which was mm-hmm. really exciting, and, and the return of Odin himself. Yeah. Um, as we see the um, the Mangog um, here to basically bring um, Ragnarok upon Asgard. So cool! That final so page cool. where he's facing off against Heimdall is incredible. Yep, I hope Heimdall's okay. I love Heimdall. I love Heimdall. 
Uh, so the Mighty Thor is a character in um, the Avengers. Good. And she appeared in a, um, a crossover with the Champions this week, the finale of their six-issue uh, crossover called Worlds Collide. Are oh. you still reading this? No. You made the right decision. Yay. This Fuck this stupid book. <laughs> uh, this is written by Mark Wade with art by Humberto Ramos. Um, and um, this uh, in this issue... Well, in this kind of run, they had to go, like, the, the, the champions and the Avengers had to go head-to-head with the High Evolutionary. And the High Evolutionary turned the daughter's... Sorry, the, the Vision's daughter, Viv Vision, into a human. So she is human, and her human form then sacrificed herself to save the Avengers. But in his grief, the Vision decided to remake a, a robot version of his daughter. And... In this issue, it ends basically. It begins with them ha- having a funeral for Viv Vision, mm-hmm. and then the issue ends with the human version of Viv Vision face to face with a newly remade robot version of Viv Vision. What? So, like, look. I know we probably complained about Tom King, or one of us complains about Tom King more than anyone else who hosts a comic book podcast. Me. But we loved the Vision series. It, it was, was so good. And who the fuck would have thought that this is how what you do with the series? <laughs> totally. They just ruined the legacy of that incredible series. It's just bizarre. Like, it, it even ends with the Vision saying Vivian, and then both of them saying yes. <laughs> and then right. the next issue is called Double Visions. Nice. That's good, fuck though. Fuck this book. That's good. Champions is... is, is Probably the worst book Marvel put out. <laughs> oh man, what's going on with Mark Wade? I think he's just stretched too thin. Yeah, he's still. I mean, I, look, I, I know you'd have problems with it, but I like the ridiculous soap opera that is Archie. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've, I've for the most part liked what he's done on, on Avengers, and I even like you know the, the kind of saccharine, slightly dull Captain America issues we've got so far. But this is mm. just this is just no good. It's no good. No bueno. I am a big fan, however, of Uncanny Avengers, um, written by Jim Zub with um, art by... Jason um, Isaacs? Jason Isaacs. With um, a great cover by Terry Dodson as well. Yes, definitely. And Terry Dodson is incapable of doing a bad... Of, of doing a good, incapable of doing a bad cover. Correct. Um, but uh, sadly, this is the last issue of Uncanny Avengers before all the Avengers books merge for that weird weekly Avengers No Surrender thing. Yeah. Which might be good. I don't know. Um, but uh, I kind of liked that at least they're reining back a little bit on there being five million Avengers books. I think that's kind of a good call. But I don't know I if there's like, much appetite yeah. for a month, a weekly Avengers book. I reckon kill off the um. Actually, that said, the, the regular Avengers. I was just like kill off the Avengers with all the the Avengers book with all the main, the the bigger Marvel heroes. And I'm looking at the team, and I guess it's like it's like James Foster, Sam Wilson, I guess Peter Parker. Mm. I don't know. Um, but uh. Yeah, who is it? Who, so the current Avengers are the Wasp, Thor, Falcon, Vision, Spider-Man, and Hercules. Yeah, it's not very well known. But I love this team. I love, I love the Uncanny Avengers. The yeah. Rogue, the Wasp, the other Wasp. <coughs> uh, Doctor Voodoo, the Human Torch, Synapse, um, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Beast, and Wonder Man. That's a great team. And this it's has a been really a really, really fun run that actually I think almost got better once Jim Zub took over for these few issues that he's been doing. So I hope he gets to stick with the Avengers. Um, after this, um, I like that um, Doctor Voodoo and Scarlet Witch are in a relationship now. Yeah, 
Great. I love it. I love how they basically had a conversation where they were like, are we dating? Yes, we're dating. Done. Yeah. Sorted. Um, and look, even though this is a sweet little wrap-up for, for this team as we know it, um, I look forward to Jim Zub having his voice on an Avengers book in the future because he's very good at it. And this is a solid run if you want to go back. Yeah, definitely. A solid and very brisk run. Um, over to X-Men now. We can talk about X-Men Gold. Um, I read this book because, this issue, because in the last issue, written by um, Mark Guggenheim with art by Ken Lashley, um, uh, Nightcrawler teleported into a rock. And yeah. I was like, how's he going to get out of this one? And he, 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 he just he goes, did. He just, he just goes, oh my God, a rock's in me. And then he teleports <laughs> away and says, whoa, that was close. It's like, you had a rock in you. Yeah, what kind like of... Was, I don't understand how you get come back from that. I also don't understand. There is a character in this that they keep talking about who I don't remember from anything. And I feel like I've read every issue of this run. And he's not at the beginning. Like, in the beginning opening page, the recap page, where they have all of the faces and they say who all of them are, there is no one called Ink there. I don't know who this Ink bro is. Let us but know I don't who like is. him. I'm not going to read this book anymore. No, me neither. But all the X-Men stuff's about to relaunch anyway. We're about to get X-Men read. No, no, no. Um, our, our listener, Daniel, uh, let us know that X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue are continuing. We're also getting oh. X-Men Red and X-Men Green. Oh, for, or whatever, whatever for, color it is. For Pete's sakes, Marvel. Don't you listen <laughs> to anyone ever? They don't put out four Pokemon games at once, named after different colors. you got to do two at a time. It's a great point. Um, but keeping things X-Men for a while, um, we recently learned of the unfortunate cancellation of Generation X. I am um, very sad about that. A really fun and different book written by Christina Strain with art by Emil Carpina and uh, colors by Philippe Sobrero. Um, and uh, this told uh, the story of basically like, you know, like classic X-Men trying to fit in in this high school, um, mm-hmm. led by Jubilee as the teacher with um, Bling, um, Quentin Quire, Nature Girl, Morph, Hindsight and Eyeboy. Um, and uh, this is a really, really fun kind of teen drama book with superpowers, which is a very, very good genre of comic. Absolutely. I like the bit where Jubilee tries to kiss... What's his name? Um, uh, uh, fucking Cauldron. Cauldron, whatever. And then she's like, yeah. oh my god, I can't believe I did that. You don't even have a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Chamber. Chamber. Chamber, not Cauldron. Chamber, there we go. Um... Yeah, I think it's like the strongest Jubilee has been written in a long time. Absolutely. And, and I like how they've left. developed her in this series. I think that she's really good. It's really good fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, even though it's cancelling, there's no reason why you shouldn't go back and read this uh, great run of Generation X. I agree. And you could jump on board now for the final arc. Um, I Another cancellation is uh, quite bizarre because, you know, he's, even though I didn't like it, his television show was quite well received. Um, and there is a second season just around the corner. Um, Luke Cage, as written by uh, the great David F. Walker, with art by Guillermo Sana and colours by Miroslav Merva, um, is uh, is being cancelled too. And I think this was a very hiccupy um, start, but it's really, really hitting its stride now, and it's quite a great, um, great arc at the moment where um, Luke Cage is back in jail, but it's like a weird jail led by someone with mind control powers, and they're like mining all the time and he can't remember who he is. It's really cool. It's like Luke Cage without any of the baggage that the character, or baggage, the family stuff <laughs> the character has, uh, has gotten over the last while, which I didn't think I'd want, but I, I quite enjoyed this arc. It's um, good fun. It's a bummer. Look, I, David Walker is one of my favorite writers that I've discovered in the last five years and it just sucks that like all of his books have been cancelled at Marvel. 
Yeah. Um, if, if, if I think we say this, I mean, I feel like I say this all the time because from a retailer perspective, but as well as from a fan perspective, Marvel just needs to stop releasing so many books because none of them are going to sell well. If there's that many, if you're stretched that thin, just put more time and effort behind individual books and stop releasing one billion books every month. Yeah, and I thought like you know Luke Cage should be a sure thing, but he never really got the artistic talent on this book that would have made it a must-buy title. Yeah, and you know he was doing Power Man and Iron Fist is one of my favorite Marvel, one of my favorite comic books from the last since we started doing the podcast, and uh, you know that that should have been. I, I just wish that someone at Marvel were like, we should just pay to make this happen forever because he, he had such a good voice on that. But hopefully, we get to see David F. Walker given an, you know another opportunity to tell a, a, a successful book. I think he'd be great on a Miles Morales book. I think he'd be good on an Avengers book. You know, he had Uncanny Avengers. Give him a real one. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Or he should be taking over The Defenders, which is another book which is being cancelled too. Um, It kind of makes sense because since Brian Bendis has been uh, writing it, and I guess this will be like one of the final books he works on for Marvel, Mm -hmm. um, this is the one with uh, art by um, David Marquez and colours by... uh, Oh, and it's also had guest artist uh, Michael Avon Oeming. Oh, cool. Which is really, really cool. Um, I guess a long time Brian Bendis uh, collaborator, uh, best known for his work along Brian as, uh, with Powers. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, was kind of like um, we saw a lot of retelling of the way of how Kingpin kind of came into power and when he kind of had his, 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 I guess his first crime boss killed that he was working for and uh, he took over. Memories. And so Mike, Michael Oeming uh, draws draws those uh, black and white flashbacks, which is really cool. Um, but I got to congratulate Bendis on a, a pretty funny use of, of Deadpool. Oh uh, gosh! Because Jessica Jones hires Deadpool to uh, to try and find somebody because she doesn't think that they have the credentials to find them, or basically like you know the underworld knowledge that that that, that Deadpool has the connections. And uh, of course, he doesn't do a very good job and even shoots some of them. But it's funny without completely ruining the tone of of what this book is. Um, yeah, this, is a, this is a good. This is like a great final Bendis book, I think. Cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad he's yeah. doing a bit of a good send off from Marvel. And one of one of my favorite characters that he wrote uh, during his Avengers run was the Hood, and the Hood mm-hmm. returns in this issue of Defenders too. Oh, cool. That was a nice little surprise too. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy issue number 149, uh, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Marcus Toe. Uh, this is kind of like becoming not a slog, but it's just kind of plodding along, and I want something exciting to happen. And yeah. I know that something, a big event is around the corner. And so it just kind of feels like they're like, you know, very slowly building towards that, which is fine. It just is. I don't know if we have anything to say beyond that. Hmm. Um, and I've got Doctor Strange left. You've got Doctor Strange? Same. Uh, written by Donny Cates with uh, art by Gabrielle Walter and Geordie Belair. Doctor Strange issue number 383 in which uh, the source of the Supreme is now Loki. Um, and uh, Doctor Strange has enlisted the support of his old friend, the Sentry, to mm. uh, to take him to Asgard and, and appeal for help. I love Gabriel Walter Hernandez so much. And Gabriel Walter. Doing... Oh, what's, what's his name? Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel, Gabriel Hernandez Walter. Walter. I got it around. Hernandez Walter. Oh, you're right. There was a Hernandez in there. Um, that's very me, though, just adding a random-sounding yeah. <laughs> Spanish name just because. Uh, Everyone sounds better if they're a Hernandez. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, this, this uh, he kind of uh, in some like flashbacky scenes, he kind of goes against his kind of known style, which I really enjoyed. That was actually by Nico Henrikson. Oh pages. shit! 
That's why it's that. a very different stuff. Oh, flashback it artist, Ugo Henry Cohn. Very good, very good eye. Way to read, Shimon. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, thought, I was like, this is very different. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked um, Doctor Strange going back to Wong's house in this, in this issue. Yeah, I like how um, um, pissy Wong is, Wong is. That's good. Pissy Wong's great. Pissy Wong is my favorite kind of Wong. And uh, basically, you, you think he's going to Asgard to appeal to Odin or to Thor or something like that, but he actually appeals to the world tree, mm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And I like this slightly sort of arrogant, headstrong version of Doctor Strange, who, even though Loki has been appointed the Sorcerer Supreme in like a totally valid and justified way, he's still like, mm, no, he's a bad guy. I know better. Yeah. So I, I look forward to this crashing down on him. And Loki's like trying to do good too. Yeah, totally. He was, he was, and he was chosen because the, the, they saw the good in him that he was trying to do good. Um, so the final Marvel book that I want to talk about is Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, written by Death and Shalvey with art by Mike Henderson and Lee Lowridge. And I know what you're thinking, Levens, you love a good segue. Why didn't you just bring this up when you were talking about Deadpool in the Defenders book? It's a great point. Um, stop thinking that, dear listener, and just roll with the episode. Um, this is a good book. This is a good mini series. You reading it still? I miss this issue. Um, I reckon you could just pick up issue four and it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this issue uh, has them basically uh, captured um, and uh, using the help of this new mutant that they're helping out, um, they're able to transfer Wolverine's skeleton into Deadpool's body. Great. That's really fun. Um, and and I, 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 good, great. Actually, Shalvey's really good at writing shitty Deadpool jokes. He um, make, so. he actually makes a very funny Deadpool, which is so hard to do. I think it's hard to just be funny. Yeah, um, so I um, think he nails it. So when uh, when Deadpool finally emerges from the room um, with his Wolverine claws snicked, um, he says, "Don't ruin this, Wade. You've always wanted to say this. Snucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. That's a good joke." <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, there's, uh, what, two more issues of this pretty good miniseries left. I'm enjoying it. Nice. All that's left for us to do now is to talk about the other publishers. I had a handful of books that I read this week, and I want to kick off with another series that uh, came out and finished. Sorry, another fin- finale of a miniseries that I read that Siobhan didn't. Um, came out through Dynamite, through their Atari imprint. It was Centipede, and it's uh, written by Max Bemis, who is currently doing great stuff on, the, on Moon Knight for Marvel, um, and uh, art by... Um, how would you pronounce a name which is E O I N? Owen. Owen. Cool. Owen Marin. It's Irish. It's Irish. There's, there's damn Irish. I've got Irish blood, you know. I'm half Irish. Oh, really? So why I is your name spelled normal? Get out. Yeah. Why isn't there an O in Levens? <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is like, yeah, like a kind of like comic book version of the uh, arcade classic Centipede. Um, and uh, in which an enormous centipede is attacking the world forever, and it's up to one guy, to, the last man on Earth, to stop him. And it's very... It's part not taking itself seriously at all, but also quite heady at, part, at parts where he like where maybe none of this actually happened, and the ending is quite open. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to read this again now that all five issues have come out, so I can read a bit more concisely. I really enjoyed this though and if you are enjoying the Moon Knight stuff and want to read something else Max Bemis has done um, first of all check out Worst X-Man Ever that was and really good check fun. out Centipede um, this one from Dynamite great art by Ian Marin too um, and uh, unfortunately after this and Sword Quest there haven't been any more Atari books through Dynamite but I hope we get more because they've been very good yeah they have been good they've been getting good talent on which is something that Dynamite don't always do 
Yes. Um, boom always do, though. You always get good art on a Boom book, and that's exactly what we got on uh, the second issue of Fence this week, which was written by C.S. Picat, our C.S. Picat. Australia's very own C.S. Picat, um, who... And Sorry, I was just going to say, she'll be um, visiting Kings in May for a special Queens of Kings. Um, in May, that's a long time away. It is a long time away. But I've already arranged it, and I'm excited. <laughs> Very good. Um, art on this one is by Johanna the Mad, with colours by Johanna La Fuente. Um, and this is about, um, basically, like, a very camp, manga-influenced book about um, boys going to fencing school. Yeah. The competitive and, um, world of young men's fencing. And all of the I love romance. It so and much. It's so good. It, it's gorgeous, and... Uh, you know, the relationships are so turned up to 11. Yeah. Um, so much so that, like, the coach has a list of words that she kicks every... Like, she'll kick someone out. Actually, uh, there's a lot of murkiness in terms of gender in this book, which I think is cool, but it makes describing the characters difficult. So I'm just going to say they are. Well, I think it's, the- it's very, like... Um, it's very manga-influenced where this is a boys' school, I think the coach is a woman, but all of the the fences are boys. But there's one who looks particularly effeminate. But I think it's like in a lot of uh, like school manga and sort of yaoi manga and stuff. There's often a boy who is very very feminine in appearance. So I sort of that's how I interpreted it, but mm. I could be wrong. The coach kicks out um, you if, if you use a certain phrase like uh, "saber is not better," which is a term of fencing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you you get kicked out. You have to do two hundred suicides. I don't know what that means. What's that? Uh, some kind of uh, physical activity, I think. Right. Sure. But you have to commit um, suicide two hundred times. Wow, that's insane. Uh, but one of the, one of the terms that you can't use is Aiden dumped me. And that is because Aiden is the most beautiful boy on campus. <laughs> and uh, in a in a comic book full of very beautiful boys, uh, that's that's no mean feat. This comic is chock full of extremely beautiful boys. That is how I would describe it. It is good. And fun. I just love, I just love how ridiculous the drama is. It's so silly and camp and and great. Yeah. This is a this is an extremely refreshing comic to read when you have just read like fifteen Marvel books in a row. Absolutely, <laughs> it is like the antidote to ultra like uh, sort of hardcore masculine. If you if you just read Dark Knight's Metal and that has left a bad taste in your mouth. Fence is the correct palette. Fence will chop it right out. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Another boom book we read this week. Um, I hope you read this. Issue number four of Lazaretto. No, this was also on my, like, to-do. I had a big to-do read pile, guys. I'm sorry. So Lazaretto is a book written by Clay McLeod Chapman with illustrations by Jay Levang. Um, And uh, this started out as kind of like another college book, but when uh, all the students get to college, a virus breaks out. And first, they basically like yeah, all of the um, the entire campus gets uh, put in um, what's it called quarantined, um, and now the virus is basically turning everyone into, into, all the kids into almost like zombies, mm. like skinless zombies, but disgusting, is, like blood spewing. Oh, well, no, wait till you see where they're up to now. Oh it's, man, uh, it, 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 it's progressed, um, and you have like our two heroes trying to escape, but really just trying to survive. Um, it's a very heightened, silly kind of scenario, but it's now kind of made the merge to full-on horror. Great. Which is really, really fun. Highly recommend this book, Lazaretto. 
It's good body horror teen sort of puberty oh my stuff. God. It is her- there is some horrific shit that happens in this issue. Amazing. I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> from Dark Horse this week, we got one of my favorite books of the week, and that is Sherlock Francis Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, issue so number good. three. Written by Jeff Lemire with David Rabin on art duties, doing an incredible job. Just the best job, really. So, like, top ten jobs of all time. He's so good. And this uh, this miniseries is from the world of Black Hammer, in which we see uh, the, the daughter of the character of Black Hammer um, basically investigating her father's death. Uh, and to do so, she's trying to interview one of uh, his greatest nemeses, the one known as Sherlock Frankenstein. Um, and uh, in order to get to him, she needs to interview a bunch of other bad guys. And so we're basically like learning more about the world that all of the Black Hammer characters are missing from, which is a real treat. Absolutely. Um, and uh, all the characters have been really, really great. Great villains who are kind of now beyond the point of being evil. Um, and so it's quite, you know, sad and bittersweet as you kind of get to know them. Um, and especially that we know what happens to, to Black Hammer's daughter eventually too. Mm. So it's, 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 it, even though it's quite a fun book compared to what Black Hammer is, there is this kind of very bittersweet notion where you know how things end up. Um, but it is beautiful. Uh, it's very well written and, and it just looks fantastic. David Rubin is so good. Really, really, really excellent book. Really excellent series. It's so great that it's um, adding so much to the Black Hammer universe without sort of taking anything away from the main series or splitting focus at all. It's, I think Jeff totally. is building up a really special little universe. Well, it is taking one thing away from the universe and that is the, the comic itself. Mm, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't had an issue of Black Hammer in quite a while. That's true. Um, but... There is one more comic that I read this week. Have you got any more? Yeah, I have three more. Holy shit balls. Well, I've got Dr. Radar, so nice. let's leave that for, till last. You tell me about the two that you, I haven't read. You didn't read The Beautiful Death? What? Issue four? Oh, no. Wait. Oh, I didn't realize it came out. Shit. Okay, cool. I've got to make sure I pick that up. Well, um, I don't want to ruin it. It's so weird. I thought this was the final ser- the final issue. It is not. There is one more issue, I believe. But it's all now coming to a weird head and this weird uh, sort of ragtag team of joined up to, like, it's so impossible to say what's going to happen. Like, go to their deaths, maybe save the world in the process, but probably just die a horrible death. But it's beautiful art really moving and strange I like this book a lot it's by uh, Matthew Bablé and through yeah, Static yeah. Press of Titan Comics I'm quite quite, quite annoyed I missed this mm. I you're a dummy you're a big I'm dummy. a dummy I'm a big one I like that dummy but not a big one um, I also read Ninjack I insist on calling it Ninjack I don't care if it is Ninja K it's Ninjack Ninjack way more fun to say and I wish his name was Jack not Chris whatever his name is. Colin. Colin, that's his name. Because he's British. British ninja. Um, so this was issue two of the current series, which is written by Christos Gage with art by uh, Thomas Giorello with Roberto De La Torre. Um, colors by Diego Rodriguez. And this was like the history of Ninja C. So if you know about the ninja program, Ninja K is the, the K. Number K of the ninja series and so this is all about how ninja c becomes a bad guy pretty much it's pretty good it's pretty good it's not my favorite valiant book it's got no bloodshots in it so i don't really see what the point is 
Does, is, has, has the artwork gotten a bit more vibrant than that first issue? I'd... No, the colours are a little strange and it's very heavily inked and the art's not super dynamic, so it's a bit odd. But um, I still I still quite like it. It's, yeah. Ninjas are fast, therefore the art in a ninja book should be too. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, the final book we're going to talk about today on this episode is Dr. Radar, issue two, um, another... Um, uh, European comic that's been uh, translated and republished uh, through Titan Comics' uh, Static Press imprint. Um, this is written, written by Noel Simsolo and art by Bezian, uh, translated by Ivanka Hunenberger. Nice. Um, and uh, this is uh, the second and final issue of Dr. Radar. And this ended really suddenly. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, why did I even read this series? <laughs> and I don't know why I feel like that. But, uh, oh, it was... I think... I it was such a dense series that if it took you a long time to get through those two issues, you wouldn't feel robbed by that. But I guess we're not used to two-issue miniseries, so it always feels a little bit odd. Yeah, I guess if it's said that it was like the same as, this, as the, the X-Men book that we read at the start. Well, we, we back-ended both. What's up, Shatterstar? Shatterstar has a lot of, lot of opinions about Dr. Radar. Um, but, but yeah, we, we book-ended this episode with uh, two two-part miniseries reviews. Yeah. Pretty interesting, um, but yeah, I think Doctor Radar. Like, I loved the weird art and the incredible use of like three colors throughout the or four colors throughout the entire book. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought. Would, I feel like we're going to see more Doctor Radar comics. I hope we do. I mean, we are promised more. I think, aren't we? I don't know. It's, it's a very open end. Open-ended. The character says, "I'll I'll wager we've not seen the last of Doctor Radar." Yeah, <laughs> that's what they say when there's more on the way. <laughs> Um, I definitely would read more of it, but yeah, I, I, I wish it, I knew that it was a two-issue miniseries, just because it it, seemed, it wrapped up in an almost ridiculously fast and and strange way. Yeah. Um, but look, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend almost you know giving it giving a look into almost everything that comes out of Static Press. Static Press. Agreed. Along yeah. with Lion Forge, they're just doing some some really great things. Read European comics, everybody. Absolutely. Uh, so that is the end of the episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you would like more serious issues in your life this week, become a supporter of us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash serious issues podcast for access to, it's almost like five hours now of extra content of us uh, reviewing um, graphic novels. Uh, I've promised an episode like the last two weeks and I keep forgetting to put it up, but a new episode for December of graphic novels uh, reviews by us uh, has just gone up. I was talking about some extra books that we read outside of the insane amount of books we already read for the podcast. Um, and uh, if you would like to find us on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash series podcast or again slash groups slash series podcast to join our Facebook group. And uh, on Twitter, always, we are at, oh, at serious underscore underscore issues. And um, you can find Siobhan at Siobhan, Siobhan CBG. I'm at Levdog. We're both on Instagram on those same monikers as well. And our email address is serious issues at kingscomics.com. And as always, all of these comics come from King's Comics, and anything we talk about on the show can be picked up there. And 310 Pitt like, Street in Sydney. Like the King's, King's Facebook page. Com. We have some stuff happening soon. Kids days. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. It's Siobhan's job to make the King's, book, King's Comics Facebook page good. And so I, I do an incredible job, guys. Go there, guys. Good go there. content. Hit, hit that, don't hit the like button. Hit the love button. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, look, the, the, our schedule for January. You'll get an episode from us each week. It Who knows what it'll be behind. like, though? <laughs> Um, but uh, this is pretty good. I was I was worried about this one, but it was good. Yeah, I mean, I only didn't read like half the comics. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting in a 36 degree 
uh, bedroom. Oh my god! Because it was a it was a fucking stinker today. It that sure is. A cool change. I'm holding. Cool a change is coming, baby. everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your holiday period. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.